schon gar nicht bei Country music. <laughs> See, some of you are messed up right now. Some of you, your, your foot won't stop. You're just like, man, this is good. And some of you are like, did they just sing about beer in church? And you're, you're just like, I don't know what to do with this. Well, well, wherever you're at, I'm glad that you're here. All of us at all of our locations are diving in to country music. Now, why? Because some of you are like, well, I don't need a why, David. It's just good. No, here's, here's, here's why. Here's why. I think, I think no, matter, no matter what your opinion is about country music, uh, I think we should all contend that the lyrics, the, the lyrics of country music do a pretty good job at talking about our lives. In fact, if you've, if you've paid attention to the lyrics of country music, sometimes we're like, that's my life. How did they know? And, and country music, you may hate this style. You may be like, I, this is the worst idea I've ever heard of, David. And some of you are like, no, I think it's the best idea. Uh, here's, what I, here's what I know about music in general. It makes us feel something. Music does that. Some of you right now are angry about country music, and some of you love it. Some of you wish we'd do a series on like hard metal where you, you just went screaming. Some of you wish we could just have a bit of an instrumental time, just soft classical music. We all get into vehicles. We all put in our earbuds or headphones or turn the stereo up, and we all listen to all different kinds of music. We have to admit that, confess that, and be okay with that, all right? It's okay to like certain styles of music. And I would say a part of the reason you like music is because of how it makes you feel. It, if you read your Bible, music was put into place in a lot of instances to help people through certain things, to say, hey, we want to tell God how incredible he is, so they would put it to music. Sometimes kings would be, hey, I'm so stressed out right now. Someone play some music. Music, I believe, fully was given to us by God. Music is incredible. It makes us feel something. So we're going to use country music, whether you like it or not. Frankly, I don't care for country music. Unless it's Taylor Swift, which she doesn't do it anymore. Anyways, I, country music is, is not my favorite. But those lyrics... Each week, we're going to take a different song, and we're going to look at the different lyrics and say, what do these lyrics tell us about life or maybe about ourselves? 
and we're going to use the lyrics to get into God's word. Now, this music making us feel something, that's what I want to press in today because this feeling stuff, you and I have a tendency to be too motivated, too led by our feelings, where many of us have been like, well, why'd you do it? Well, I, I felt like it. And many of us have done that where, where we have this, I felt like doing this, it felt right, it seemed good to me, and you did it, and that may have had good consequences or bad. I would tell you, my perception of just our region and even the world is that we are very feelings-motivated people. Now, let me teach you a little bit about feelings. Feelings have a voice. <laughs> it's your voice. You talk to yourself. You, you do. Some of you are like, no, I don't talk to myself. Well, you just did. You just, in your head, talk to yourself. I'm not saying you talk to yourself out loud. For those of you who talk to yourself out loud, you're fun to watch. You are a lot of fun to watch. But internally, you talk to yourself throughout the whole day. You talk to yourself while someone else is talking to you or while you're talking to another person. It's crazy what our brains can do. But we talk to ourselves all throughout the day where you have an experience and you assess that experience later on and you just think through it. Where you, you thought of something you said, you're like, I, I shouldn't have said that or I should have said it more mean. Or, and you begin to think through stuff. You and I think all day long, I would tell you that when we put our head on our pillow at night, when you're, when you're just about to put in the time card for the day and, and we're about to go to sleep, you're thinking probably at your clearest where you, you truly hear what you're thinking about as you begin to go off into never, never land, wherever you go off while you're sleeping. You begin to think, and you think about the day, you think about tomorrow, you think about the good in your life, sometimes you think about the bad, you think about conversations you had, wish you had, or didn't have, and we have these voices. But I want you to know that you have your own voice. And then let me give you a math equation. Don't get too worried for those of you who struggled with this. Your, the voice inside of us plus our feelings. That's what is your intuition, your gut. That voice mixed with how you feel becomes how you make your gut choices. It's why you and I say, I felt like doing it or it felt right. It's you, you've combined the, the thoughts that you put together in your brain. You mixed it with your feelings, whether you thought you were doing that or not. And it came out your intuition. It's what you thought at the moment in the situation. This is what I should do. This is what we should do. Or if you formulated an opinion where I disagree with so-and-so because I feel like and dot, dot, dot. Your intuition can be dangerous. What you think is right, what you feel is right, we need to have a, uh, an open conversation here. Now, I know many of us are highly intellectual, brilliant, amazing people who are rarely wrong. I, I, I say this to my wife all the time, like, do you know who you married? Like, I'm just not wrong. And I'm wrong in that conversation. Doesn't go well. Um, but, but your intuition... Your gut, let me tell you something about it. What feels right could be wrong. 
Now, I know some of you are like, no, not likely. <laughs> but you and I, come on, if you, if you do an honest assessment of your own life, you have thought something was right, it felt right, you went for it, and you're like, oh, no. And it led to problems. Or maybe it led to the moment you realized you were wrong. Now, now, historically, we've made these wonderful decisions where people said, you know what, this feels right, my intuition says this is good, let's go for this, let's make this and do this, and, and they were uh, horribly wrong. I'll show you just a few examples. This is radioactive water. Now, just in case you're worried, it's certified. So here's what, here's in, 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 well, in the olden days, and I'm not, you, some of you are like, really? They, no, this is real. They would take radioactive water and put it in a little jar like this. And when you were about to drink something, you would take a dab of the radioactive water and put it in there. And it was, well, it just seemed like this would be good for you. Healthy. Some of you are like, is drinking radioactive fluid bad for me, David? Yes. Yes, it's horrible for you. It's not healthy for you. But there was an era where it's like, hey, we think this makes sense. Here's another invention based on intuition. Uh, toothpaste, you're like, hey, that's good. No, it's tobacco toothpaste. Some of you are like, is that? Yeah, that's horrible for you. I don't think it made it too far, but it was invented and it was sold. The idea of cleaning your teeth with tobacco. Okay, you're not getting it. Okay, we'll go on to this last one that I think should make sense to all of us. Cough syrup made with heroin. Heroin, which is bad for you. Some, there, was, there was an idea that, that that drug put together with cough syrup would, would make you cough less, which maybe it would. Uh, but I think there were other ramifications to that intuitive decision. See, there's tons of these examples. You could spend about 15 minutes or longer on Google finding all the dumb that has happened. In fact, you could spend a little bit of time with your own decisions, as I could mine, going when it felt right. I thought it was going to, it seemed right. It was like, and you weren't right. You went with your gut. And the problem is, is that can be wrong. So you have to ask yourself a question. And I really mean this. Are you okay going with your gut as a parent? If it means that you might misdirect your children, most of us are like, no, no, I don't, I don't want, I don't want to, I don't want to lead my children wrong. Oh, as a student, looking at your future, hoping that you're going to build upon dreams that you've got in your head, and are you okay with going with your gut, which might unravel everything for you? I don't think you're okay with that. See, we have to look at the future and say, hey, if I'm going to go with my gut. There's going to be problems when you're parenting or when you're married or really in any relationship or any workplace or school or anything like that. You and I have got to understand that our gut could lead us to great demise. And so the Bible doesn't leave us alone. It doesn't leave us uh, without any great wisdom. In fact, there is a book in the Bible called Proverbs that helps guide us on, well, should you go with your gut? Well, here's what it says in Proverbs. There is a way that appears to be right. Most of us have been like, yep, but in the end it leads to death. Yes. <laughs> It means that there's a, it looks good, looks right, feels good. Let's go for it. Oops, wrong decision. Now, now let, me, let me teach you a little bit about Proverbs. You may not know this. The book Proverbs in, in the Bible was 
a, a book of warning labels. Just think of it as warning labels. It was, it was a dad writing to his son. And the dad was like, my son needs to learn what I should have never done. And so, so the dad writes all of these warning labels full of wisdom for his son, but you and I get the benefit of it. In fact, if you read Proverbs, if you didn't know this, you could read one proverb a day for a month, and at the end of the month, you're done with the whole book. And he writes in this book of warning labels, hey, son, there are certain women, do not follow them. It's, it's in the Bible, I promise you. Uh, he gives them this wisdom on, on dating. For those of you like, who are single, you should read the book of Proverbs. It'll help so much. Uh, how to spend money. He puts on warning labels on what to do with money, what not to do with money. All this stuff he's learned. But this book, Proverbs, where the warning label in there is, hey, there's a way that will seem like it's good, it'll feel right, but it's not. It's a warning label. The writer, you need to know something about him. He was notoriously bad at listening to his own advice. And in fact, the writer of Proverbs had a very specific warning that he had a difficult time listening to Here's what he would sum it up as. He would say, we pursue pleasure. And he offered multiple warnings throughout the book of Proverbs saying, hey, you're going to hunt for and look for pleasure all over the place. And all of us, I don't know how honest you're willing to be with yourself. I don't know you well enough to know if you're like, nope. No, most of us pursue pleasure. We look for it. We want it. And it's a good day if it happened. Now, some of you like, think it's just in the, in the context of romantic relationships, but no, we hunt and look for pleasure all over the place, success. Some of us, the only reason we're parenting is not for our children, but it's for us. Some of us want to get married not to serve another person the rest of our lives, but to be served. So you and I, we pursue pleasure all the time. In fact, there's nerdy words like hedonism out there that help describe this pursuit of pleasure. And the reason we use something, I think, as something as profound as country music lyrics is that most of them talk about the pleasure that you and I are seeking. And the problem is this. Without being deliberate or intentional, you can begin to think life is all about fulfilling the pleasures of life looking for them, indulging in them. And can we not, do not raise your hand, but can we not all agree that majority of the pleasures that we begin to hunt after became the pain that we experienced? See, pleasure is not a bad thing. I hope you're not misconstruing what I'm saying. I'm not telling you, hey, the call to Jesus is to never have fun. Just stop having fun and you're doing well. No, no, it doesn't say that. In fact, Jesus said, I want to give you the full life. The problem is, if you start to hunt after only your pleasures, you'll find yourself in a deep cavern of pain. And I don't want you to go there. In fact, the song, the song that we've made our, our theme Let's take a look. Chicken fried. Come on. Some of you are like hungry. You're like, mmm, that's where we're going. Where's some chicken fried steak? Well, if you haven't paid attention to the lyrics, here's some of the lyrics. I, I, I grew up, I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to the lyrics. Here's some of the lyrics. And it's funny how 
It's the little things in life that mean the most. Not where you live, what you drive, or the price tag on your clothes. There's no dollar sign on a peace of mind. See, in this, in this song, they're like talking about pecan pie, which you have, that's how you have to say it, by the way. Don't call it pecan pie. I mean, it's pecan pie with sweet tea, and, and that's the good life. And, but, but it talks about the pleasures of life, which, which are not bad in that, but, but peace of mind is better than all of that. It's better than that. Peace of mind. I, here's what I would say is if you could get a hold of peace of mind, if, okay, if you're not understanding what peace of mind is, like a life without worry, come on, a life without anxiety, or how about a life that is not fueled by fear? Did you know that peace of mind, no matter what season you're going on in life, no matter how, how bad it's raining on your life right now, or how good it is, did you know that peace of mind can stay with you no matter what's happening? Peace of mind is available to you and I. And in fact, the Bible didn't hide this from us either. Jesus specifically taught about how to have peace of mind. And if you turn this whole conversation off now, though, if you're like, David, I don't, I don't want to listen to this. I'm kind of enjoying life right now. If you make pleasure your number one pursuit, I will tell you this. I know this enough now that you will lose peace of mind. It'll go somewhere, somehow, away from you. And I would tell you peace of mind is far, far more valuable, just like the song says. So let me show you a story of Jesus. Jesus was actually having an interaction with his disciples, his students. He was talking to them, and he freaks them out. In fact, I'll show it to you. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of elders the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Now, those of you who are Christians, like, oh, be raised to life. Problem is, that's not what the disciples heard. Just like you and I, we're okay, we're human beings. When they heard, when Jesus is like, hey, everybody, specifically to his disciples, I'm going to suffer and I'm going to be killed. All of a sudden, in their heads, they didn't hear the raise to life part. They're like, say, What? Because, let me help you with theology if you're not there yet. Jesus is God. And so they are believing that. And, and they're like, Jesus has been talking about saving the world. And they're like, this is going to be awesome. And they're following Jesus, eating up every word he offers them. And it's going to be amazing. And then all of a sudden, like, all right. Hey, everybody, I'm, I'm going to be hurt, beaten up, crucified on a cross, killed. And they're like, and it split the group. You see, they heard it with their gut. They heard it with their intuition. They're hearing Jesus, son of God, who's going to save all, say he's going to die. And they're like, mm, that doesn't make sense to me. No, 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 no. That, that doesn't seem right to me. And in fact, a guy named Peter speaks up and goes crazy. I'll, I'll, you'll see. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Some of you are not connecting the dots. If you, theologically, what the Bible teaches, Jesus made Peter 
like invented him, okay? We clear on this? Like made him. So Peter has now pulled Jesus aside and like, hey, I know you're the son of God, but you're wrong. Now, some of us are like, how could he ever say that to Jesus? Oh, come on, people. You and I say it all the time. Where you're like, all right, God, so here's how it needs to go down. You need to do this and this and this. And actually, I provided a spreadsheet of exactly when this should play out. And so here's when you need to show up. And here's what you need to do when you do. And you give it to God. And guess what? He doesn't follow your timeline. And you start to tell him, I don't think you're... You, I don't think your watch is queued up yet. And you and I, if you're willing to be honest, have conversations with God where you begin to assert a bit that you don't think he knows what he's doing entirely. That's what Peter is doing. He is pressing into Jesus, telling him he's wrong. And if you're like, I don't get it, David, here. Peter is trusting, show it to you. Peter is trusting his gut instead of trusting God. That's what's going on. He's going with his feelings. He's going with what seems right. He's going with what he thinks and how it's going to play out. And he's totally trusting his gut instead of God. And if you're going, well, is that a big deal? Like, God's forgiving. There's mercy. There's grace. I mean, come on. David, it seems a bit like not a big deal. Everyone's imperfect. So Peter doesn't fully trust God. Is there a big deal in going with your own gut and not going with God? Well, I'll show you Jesus's reaction. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Now, now I don't know if you've ever been called a name but I'm going to put this near the top as some of the worst names anyone could ever call you. And you, in fact, I would say that you have probably never been called Satan. Now, some of you are like, yeah, she said that. She, she said those words. And then I, Jesus, is, Jesus is making this a moment that's pretty serious. Are you catching that? You know, Jesus could have just said, are you kidding me? And then walked off and, and just like, it's over, right? Just end it and then don't deal with it. But you notice that Jesus doesn't let it slip. He doesn't let what Peter's saying slip. He doesn't let Peter's gut decision and, and talking about what he thinks is going to actually happen. He doesn't let it go. He deals with it. And he says, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God. Now, I hope you'll press into this because this is saying what we've been saying. You do not have in mind the will of God, what God wants, but merely human concerns. These are Jesus' words. My question for you is what has been on your heart the most? What has been your pursuit? The concerns of God or your concerns? Because that will reveal to you, are you a feelings-driven, motivated, directed person, or are you all about what God wants? You may not like the answer. I've been there many times where I'm like, I don't want to ask that question. But Jesus doesn't leave it there, which is so powerful and so important because Jesus knows that you and I want peace of mind. He knows that you and I shouldn't live in this pleasure-driven life that we should get out of this. And you're like, how do I get out of this? How do I start to live the way God wants me to live? How do I live a peace-filled life? So Jesus 
speaks up about it. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple. Now, I can't put up the rest of the verse yet because you'll jump ahead. Some of you already have. Some of you grew up in church where you've got this memorized. You're like, oh, I know what it says. But you've got to stop because we often read the Bible too fast. So I want you to read this the way Jesus intended you to hear it. Whoever wants to be my disciple, stop. So now you and I have a decision to make. Before we know what it costs, before we know what's necessary, the decision is made. Do you want to be a disciple of Jesus? If you're like, what's a disciple? It means you follow Jesus' way. You take his words, his teaching, you believe that he is the son of God. When you say, I believe Jesus is actually the son of God, and I'm going to follow him, I'm going to make my life about him, and, and you believe that. When you decide, by the way, if you call yourself a Christian, you decide it. You may not have realized you decided, but a Christian, by definition, is a disciple, a follower of Jesus. So oftentimes we read verses in the Bible way too fast, so I had to help us. Whoever wants to be my disciple, do you or don't you? If you do, I'll finish it for you. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. This is not a verse that's preached on very often. (laughs) Because this reveals that following Jesus is not easy. It's not. And I'll confess to you as a pastor, I wish it was. But it's not. The Bible says it's very difficult to be a follower of Jesus. And so Jesus is like, you're going with your gut. You're doing your own thing. If you want to be my disciple, you got to do my thing. So he mentions in there something I think is pretty powerful. Whoever wants to be my disciple, we'll go back to that last verse if you can. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Deny themselves. Let's talk about this for a second. Some of you think, oh, self-denial. Let me show you what self-denial means. Occasionally giving up things or activities. It's an occasional thing. It's a, you know what, I'm in the mood to do this. (laughs) It's when you see the commercial, you're like, I'm going to get in shape. I'm all about this. And about six weeks later, you're like, I was all about this. It's If you pick up a new diet, the occasional, like this, I'm all going to do this. Then all of a sudden, you drive by Jerry's Donuts, and you're like, you're calling me. You want me to come in there? I will go in there. See, see, self-denial usually is temporary. We all have to admit it. Come on. We all have to admit that self-denial is temporary. Jesus is not calling you to self-denial where it's momentary and feelings motivated. He's saying deny yourself. Here's what deny self means. God's will is greater than my will in everything. When you're going to decide how you're going to be as a single person, how am I going to live as a single person? God's will over my will. When you get married, God's will over my will. Parenting, God's will over my will. When you're a student, God's will over my will. When you look at your vocation, when you look at how to spend money, when you look at how to be generous, God's will over my will. That's why it's difficult to be a follower of Jesus. And Jesus is saying, if you will choose my way, there's peace. 
have to decide, do you want peace? So Jesus finishes this. Let me show you kind of the conclusion of this. For whoever wants to save their lives will lose it. You're like, what? Talking about his will over your will. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? If you're like, I don't believe the Bible, at least chicken fried brought it up. <laughs> I mean, it brought it up where it's like, hey, you want peace of mind? It's not about the things and the pleasures of life. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, to have every pleasure you've ever wanted yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? So it brings us to a, a decision. When you and I talk about feelings, you're like, I know many of us are like, I don't want to be a feelings-driven, pleasure-motivated person. I know, David, that's not the healthiest way. I know that sometimes my gut is wrong. I get that. So let me ask you a question. Will you choose God's way the rest of the way? And I worded that very specifically for you and I because some of us would say that it's a hard decision because of what you've done. Many times my conversations with folks are like, I love Jesus, but I don't know if he'd let me follow him because of my past, because of what's been going on, where I come from, my, the story that I bring to this table. And, and I want you to know, will you choose God's way? The rest of the way is a decision for today. And if you want to know how God sees you, if you want to know how God sees you, he is not measuring what you've done in the past and trying to decide if he's going to save you. He's not trying to balance, well, man, what they did, David. Woo, this is bad. I don't think the scales balance out. See, here's what God has to offer you. Salvation, forgiveness from all of your sins, all of your past, all of your feelings-motivated, gut-directed decisions. He's willing to forgive every ounce of those. So that's why I ask you the question. Are you ready or willing for the rest of the way? From, from this day on. I would tell you, this is one of the most crucial conversations Jesus has ever recorded having in the Bible. Because he puts in front of you and I the reality that this is not easy. But it's the way to the full life. Peace of mind. Now, if your answer is yes, <laughs> do I choose the, God's way the rest of the way? Yes. Then let me show you what at the beginning, see sometimes you gotta go back to the beginning. Well, how did people respond to that? I'll, I'll show it to you. In Acts, therefore let all Israel be assured of this, God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, has made him both Lord and Messiah. If those words are like, I don't use those words, I get that. Lord, his will over your will. Savior, Messiah. God has made him, Jesus, the one who you should choose and devote your life to. So when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? You might be thinking the same. Maybe you're like, I want to choose God's will. What do I do? Well, he went on to tell us. Peter replied, repent and be baptized. 
in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're type A, you're like, hey, you skipped something. I did on purpose because this is for every one of you and I didn't want you to miss it. Every single one of us. Whatever your resume says about your life, every single one of us can respond to Jesus's invitation to have our sins forgiven, to live a life that's devoted to him, that pursues his will over ours, and peace of mind. The Bible says a peace you don't even understand fills your soul. If you're in a place now where you're like, I want that, then I would tell you historically, and what we're told is, is that you respond by repenting, saying, God, I'm, I'm sorry for living my way and not your way. I'm gonna do life differently. I'm gonna be devoted to you. But that's not the last stop. You confess that to God, you repent that to God, and then you're baptized. And some of you are like, I'll repent and, and um, when I feel like it, I'll be baptized. Do you see the problem with that now? Do we begin to make decisions about God based on our feelings? So I would tell you this, whether you like it or not, if you've decided to choose God's way over your way, I believe God's brought us together for you to repent of that and to get baptized. You're like, like get baptized, get baptized. Yeah, we're ready for you. And today's the day I think that you not only internally repent to God, but that you publicly lock it in, disregarding your feelings in the moment and saying, I am here, I am listening to this. Perhaps God brought me to this moment. This will be the day that I get baptized. In other words, where you are put underwater and the old self dies and is washed away and you come up resurrected a new person and you're like I don't feel like it I get that are you going to let your feelings be your leader if you have chosen God's way over your way repent and be baptized so, so let me help us I think this pushes us into a conversation with God. So would you bow your heads, close your eyes. Just to help you focus, bow your heads, close your eyes. And if you're like, David, I, I wanna choose God's will over mine. I'm done going with my gut, I'm done with it. Going with God's will. Then let me help you with a, a prayer, conversation with God. Just privately, silently say this to God. God, I am sorry for my sins. I am sorry for pursuing my will over your will. I choose you, God. I believe your son Jesus has saved me from my own choices, my sins. And God, I give you every corner of my life. I need your help, God. I need your strength. I need your courage. But today, I choose you. And I hand everything over to you. God, I pray for my whole church, everyone listening. I pray for those specifically 
who are on the fence of deciding, am I gonna walk this out through baptism? God, I pray that you will give them the boldness and the courage to declare that they follow your way, not their way. God, for all of those today who decide to follow you and to go public with it, I pray that you will fill their lives and walk with them the rest of the way. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.